Welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, this week we're going to look at a classic Nintendo game. I, I guarantee some people out there absolutely love this game. I also guarantee some people out there uh, absolutely hate this game. I think we're kind of split down the middle on this podcast, but we're going to talk about Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. But before we do that, Jeremy, what have you played since our last episode? Well... Uh, besides building all that crap that I talked about last episode, I've actually been playing uh, Apex, if anyone has, has heard of that one, uh, which apparently the internet is in love with. That is the the new internet darling as far as Battle Royale games go. Uh, this one came out like a few weeks ago, just kind of out of nowhere, and uh, it's made by the, the Titanfall guys, Respawn. Uh, if you know, if you ever played Titanfall, uh, that's a, I, I really loved the first one, mm-hmm. didn't much care for the second one, uh, but uh, and I really didn't want to play this one either, this this uh, Apex thing, which really has nothing to do with Titanfall. Uh, it is more or less just uh, Titanfall by association, more than just being like, here's a battle royale with big robots and wall running and all crazy double jumps and everything that made Titanfall great. Here's just, you can just run around and shoot people in this one and pick up stuff and uh, the, the circle closes. So I I was pretty cynical about it. Just just hearing about it, because I was like, well, God, that just sounds terrible. You know, I don't like Battle Royale games, and you've taken everything that I love out of Titanfall. So what am I left with? And it just sounds like another generic Battle Royale game. But I, I tried it. You know, it's free. So I was like, why not? And, and my friend Ronnie, he's been playing it a lot. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll get in there and try it out. Uh, it's probably the most enjoyable one that I've played so far. I, I, I played it enough. I actually forced myself... <laughs> With this one, I was like, everyone loves this. I have to figure out why. Because when I <clears throat> when I first started playing it, I, it's still just the same Battle Royale game that I've played and I don't get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dying constantly. It just seemed like you get in, you loot stuff for five minutes, you die, and hey, that then back to the back to the uh, server select screen. Mm-hmm. So I, I forced myself to try it, and I have got to the point where I am decent at it. I'm not terrible. I understand it for the first time with a battle royale game. And I don't want to play it anymore because I, <laughs> as, as it comes to, comes around with, with every single time, 
But at least this time, I, I made myself get to the point where I was like, I, I fine, I understand it. I understand why I don't enjoy it, basically. Uh-huh. So it, it's fun. It's And I still find myself playing it just because, you know, it, it takes up a good chunk of time. And apparently Anthem didn't turn out too great. So I was just, I, I didn't really spend money on that. I'll just wait for a few weeks when it's half price. And, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been playing. And I don't think I'm going to play it too much longer because at this point I'm just like, I got, I got to buy something to make myself stop playing this game. Cause I'm just, I'm not having too much fun with it. And, and uh, division two is, is just a little bit too far off. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been playing. Well, I finally replaced the TV on my main floor, my main gaming TV. I've had it for about 10 years. It was a 40-inch TV, which is nothing. I'm not bragging. It's just I've had it for a long time, and I didn't want to replace it. Why, <laughs> why buy a new TV? But my kids a while ago decided that it was a cool game to throw metal figurines at my television. So for a long time, the bottom half of the screen was just a bunch of lines that got worse over time. And now it's like the entire bottom third of the screen was just these weird lines that you make so you can't read text. Uh, and frankly, I I can afford to buy a TV. So I waited until there was a good sale. I got a new one for President's Day, and uh, and now I have a 55 inch TV that I it's way mm. too big for the spot that it's in, but I don't care. Uh, but because of that, you know, because I bought a new TV and I basically reset up the entire entertainment system, all that I have upstairs now is my PS4 and the Switch. I took everything else and put it in the basement. Uh, where I have stuff set up so I can use it, but basically it was like, okay, now now these are no longer kids' systems. Kids just use the Switch, and I'll use everything else down here. So, unfortunately, it means that I've kind of limited what I can play, because if they're on the Switch, I can't use the PS4, and everything else I have to go down to the basement, which they aren't old enough for me to just go down to the basement when they're home with just me uh, without me coming upstairs to blood and death. So I don't get to come down here as much as I want to. So what I have done is I've finished off the... Rabbids vs. Mario. I did beat that, and uh, it was very good. I liked that. I finally got to the last few levels of that. But I've played nothing but Tetris 99 since mm, our last mm. podcast, and, and the game we're going to talk about today. And finally, yesterday, after probably 100 games, finally got a first place. And that I is may, impressive. I may never play again. It was the, it was the, and the best thing is, I, so I got a first place, and I was like, man, I feel really good, and I played another game, 95th place. Like it, it was. I don't think it keeps track that you were the previous winner, but I felt like the next game I started, and you know, you can see the people who target you. I felt like there were twenty lines targeting me, <laughs> and almost immediately mm-hmm. I was like, "Here's a bunch of red lines, and I'm dead." That was fun. Mm-hmm. That was a hoot. But yeah, I've, I still played a lot of it, uh, and I've been dealing with the stomach flu, so it's kind of a nice game to play while I sit on my couch and wait to inevitably throw up. So, Billy, what have you been playing since our last? Episode? Well, I, I played a lot of Tetris ninety nine myself, even though I have not had. Quite the luck you've had. I, I have gotten into the, the single digits. I've gotten to the top ten a few times. Uh, but still, I, my best, I got sixth place yesterday. And that, that's that's the best so far. I, I, that first place has got to be coming one day. And I, too, may stop then. Um, I, other than that, I've, I've continued playing Hollow Knight, a game which seemingly does not end. But that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, every time I get on there, I end up unlocking these just huge new pieces of map. So it's still incredibly enjoyable and I'm still having a great time with it for, for quite a while now. So that game has got some real staying power. Other than that, I am that one person that has picked up and is thoroughly enjoying Anthem. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. I can see every single complaint people have about it, 
But it's it's something about that kind of game that gels just fine with me. Uh, I I was not a big uh, I, I wasn't upset about you know the first Destiny when it rolled around, even though uh, th- this game I think is going to in the end game section of it have a lot of the same problems. Uh, that being, there's not a lot to do. It's kind of a a grindy type thing after that. But there's something about that relaxing. And I, and I love picking these games up, like when they first come out, when there's, you know, glitches and, and all kinds of, it, it, the opposite of most folks, I guess. I just remember how much fun I had on Destiny every time there was some some bug or something like that, something you could exploit just for a little while before the thing got patched up. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm having a good time with it, and it's, it's definitely a, a mixture. Of, of a lot of games uh you know there's a lot of division thrown in there there is a a lot of destiny in there uh, but it's just where the gameplay may lack a little here and there uh and the missions are are, are kind of repetitive it's it's one of those falls into the that pitfall of having the same you know two or three mission types for the most part uh it's just it's so damn nice to look at and it controls incredibly and that was the thing about Destiny that kept bringing me back. It's just how natural that game felt and how damn smooth it controlled. And this game, it, it that's the main selling point. It's not often I say I, my favorite thing about the game is the control, but that is definitely the case. I, it's everything from the, uh, you know, how, how smooth it is to fly around to that little bit of, of rumble feedback it gives you. Uh, yeah, it's 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 got that down. It's got great presentation. Uh, you know, but content-wise, we'll see. And it's one of those things where they seem to be backing it right now and, and seem to have a, a long roadmap, you know, arced out. But then again, they said they were going to you know, support Destiny for years and years. And we saw how that turned out. But we will see. I'm in it for now and, and still enjoying it. I forgot to mention, the only one I didn't play over the last two weeks? Mm. One minute of Monster Hunter. Holy Maybe... Shit. Just maybe, I'm over it. I don't know. I, I haven't missed be. playing it. Uh, I think it's just a matter of everything I want to do now takes the full 50 minutes. Oh. So I don't want to uh, to do that. <laughs> and, and, and I forgot to mention something also. Uh, this is not what I'm playing right now. But as of the time this podcast released, I will have been knee-deep in that new Jam and Earl that is uh, releasing in, as we're recording this, just uh, just under four hours' time. And I am so incredibly excited about that. And I'm sure I will have plenty to say about that, good or bad, next episode. Well, that's definitely a game I want to hear about. We did cover that uh, years ago. Uh, it's uh, the original. So I'm very excited to see. I heard this is very much like the original game with just some some new things on it, nice, nicer graphics. Uh, but I'm sure we'll find out all about that on our next episode. But now, let's dive into the topic of this week's episode, Zelda II The Adventure of Link. first time I played this game, and that's not the case with a lot of NES games. 
a lot of them didn't leave a lasting impact like this one did. It didn't have the shock factor that this one had. Once you, once you saw the change in mechanics that I am sure we're going to talk about in depth, but, but I just have to say that this game is one I am pretty familiar with. Um, you know, I, I got this one upon release. My father was excited for this one. He, we were both huge fans of the original and, um, one of us continued to play it and does continue to play it to this day. And the other one got angry and stopped playing about 30 minutes in. Um, and that seems to be the general reaction. I think it'll be a lot of this episode is talking about the, there the few games that you either love or hate like this one. And like, I, I, I was a huge fan of the original Zelda. It was one of the, one of the very first games I, I, I got on my NES, of course, with, with a lot of people, but uh, I, I actually remember seeing Zelda two for the first time. It was on some like, um, uh, you, you know, it was like the, those blocks of cartoons that you would see from when you got home from school mm-hmm. from like from maybe three o'clock to five o'clock or something might've been like a Disney afternoon kind of thing. And they ran this special, uh, that was kind of between one of the cartoons that was showing off the new hot Nintendo games. Mm. And, um, one of them was a Zelda two. And I was just like, holy shit, they're going to show Zelda 2. You know, I can't wait. And then they showed it. And I was like, that ain't Zelda. What is that? That's just, uh, you know, he, it, it showed the part where he's running over the bridge that collapses in one of the, the first palaces. Um, you know, it kind of showed him going over the overworld map uh, and fighting things. And I was just, and, and through a town. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, that just, that isn't anything like the game I play. And this, you know, I was back, this was back when I was a kid. And you expect something that you played before, if you were going to get something new, a new version of that, it was going to be about the same thing. But this is a, a complete change uh, of what we played with Zelda. And that just it just blew my mind. So I didn't know what to expect when I actually got this game. Well, I, I mean, I think all of us could say that the original Zelda was one of our favorite games. I mean, right now it's still on my... If I had five games on an island and all the rest of my games were lost to the sea... Zelda would be one I would make sure I keep. I can play it a hundred times. I love it. Uh, so I was very, very excited for this. It was previewed in, in Nintendo Power. I think it was even previewed in the, the Fun Club newsletter that came out before the Nintendo Power was a thing. And and it, it looked so cool. I mean, it was it was a different look to Zelda. Like, you know, the original Zelda's all top-down. Even the dungeons were all top-down, more or less. And this had side-scrolling action levels. But it still looked like Zelda. It had the same kind of monsters that you saw in Zelda. It had slimes and the the night guys that you saw in the in the in the dungeons in Zelda it had a lot of stuff that you recognized uh, in the dungeon levels but the overworld looked more like a dragon warrior if that was even out at that time uh, but you know for me it was it looked like ultimate it looked like one of those old PC uh, RPGs where you had a, a much littler character and you walked around and there were towns and things i mean that's totally different than the original game so i was super excited for it it was being promoted for almost 2 years before it came out in the US it came out in Japan uh, at the very beginning of 1987, and it didn't show up here until December, right before Christmas in 1998. And what I do remember the most about that Christmas for Zelda was there was a chip shortage, which is why it took so long to get to us. So then when it did get to us, everybody was hunting for it for the Christmas item. Uh, I knew one person that had it the Christmas it came out. Now I know two if Billy had it on release. And mm-hmm. I didn't get to actually play it for more than five minutes at a friend's house until months later. And... I don't want to say I was disappointed because at first I was like, this is really different and I I think I could really like this. Uh, But at the same time, in my memory, 
I have not a lot of great memories of, of Zelda II The mm. Adventure Link. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've found, even playing through this time, that are still issues. And there's a reason that, aside from those uh, embarrassing CDI games that aren't even really official Zelda games, as far as I know, it's the only side-scrolling Zelda game. There are, there are some games, I mean, Link's Adventure has some side-scrolling sections, mm. and, I mean, the newer Zeldas are, are much more you know, open-world 3D, but this was the only Zelda that had this format. And uh, and I don't think that's a surprise after it came out. I think it was a neat idea. I think it had a lot of really cool things that d- other games did take from from this. But uh, it uh, it is not a game that I would recommend over the original Zelda or pretty much any other version uh, other than Spirit Tracks, which is by far the worst Zelda. Oh shit! Oh, gotta throw Phantom Hourglass in there too. Uh, that and Spirit Tracks, I think, are on the equal shit tier. I, I think of Zelda games. I, I mean, the Spirit. Uh, what was the other one? Phantom Hourglass was yeah. at least yeah. at least had an overworld, and you mm. could, it was like every other Zelda game overworld. Yeah. Where uh, Spirit Tracks, the overworld mm. was you riding on a train, mm. and that was it. You couldn't go out in the overworld. And yeah. I I finished it. I finished both of those games. Um, oh, yeah. I would arguably play. Phantom Hourglass again someday, but I will mm. never, under any circumstance, play fa- play uh, Spirit Tracks. I finished it just to finish it so that I could never, ever play it again. Mm-hmm. Where this, on the other hand, I've definitely played a lot. Even though it's a game I said, you know, it, it doesn't, it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I think that's mainly because you compare it to Zelda. You have to. It's the sequel to one of the best games of all time, and mm-hmm. it's not as good. Um, and so I have to keep an open mind when we were covering it for this show to just just play it from the start focus on what things that i think do and don't work as opposed to just thinking this is not as good as legend of zelda yeah i think that was my problem like back in the day because you were instantly comparing it to zelda i mean that's all you had to compare it to and and you get this very strange turn <laughs> into what it, what zelda 2 is and and i just kind of literally come off uh, finishing the first zelda mm-hmm. to this and I rented it. I didn't buy it, but I rented it, and I, I, I never actually gave it a chance because it, it just I didn't get it as a kid. I didn't quite understand the whole leveling up thing back then. I didn't understand. It was very as much as as obtuse as sometimes Zelda can be. Zelda two can be very obtuse in what it wants you to do and where it wants you to go, um, and and what you need to find to progress and things like that. And that 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 was just stuff that I couldn't quite get past when i was young so this time when we actually did it for the the podcast i was like all right you know what i'm, I'm actually going to give this a shot i'm going to yeah. be patient with it i'm going to you know actually try my try my best to enjoy this game and, and see what it's got and i was actually really surprised at, at just how much uh, i i ended up enjoying a lot of what it what it did uh, instead of comparing just this is what Zelda does and this is what Zelda 2 does, I, I think we can assume everyone that's listening has played Zelda, the original Zelda. So this game specifically, you know, what it does that the Zelda th- series still really does is there are a series of dungeons. Uh, as you go through the dungeons, you'll normally get an item in the dungeon that either helps you with that boss or helps you, you know, on the overworld map in this case, uh, getting around. In this game specifically, I think every single item you get in the dungeons... Um, or castles, or whatever they're called, are all for the map. So I know in the first level you get a candle. And Mm -hmm. uh, what's frustrating with all of these is that you can get to, in most cases, the boss and beat the boss and never find that item. Now, you know each castle has an item, so you can go Mm -hmm. back in and search for it, and that's great and all. But 
some of these, one of the biggest complaints I have of this game is the original Legend of Zelda, if you died in the overworld, you started back at the beginning. Okay, no big deal. But if you died in a dungeon, you start back at the uh, at the start of the dungeon. And anything you've done and cleared out is still cleared out. If you've got keys, they're taken. You know, it's not like you lost all your progress. You just have to get back to where you were. And in some cases, that does mean, you know, kind of a lengthy trip. But you're still in the dungeon. This game gives you a series of lives instead. You get three lives, and you can get extra lives by either finding them or eventually your experience system will buy you extra lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, way down the road. I mean, you're not you're not going to see that for quite a while. Uh, but mostly, you can find these extra lives. There are, there are a few in dungeons. Most of them are in hidden areas on the map. But once you lose your third life, no matter where you are, if you're at the boss of a level, if you are, you know, as far as you can get in a dungeon and really just trying to find that last tool, and you die, you go back to the very beginning of the entire game. You don't lose your progress with the game, mm-hmm. but you got to walk across a map. And in many place to cases, that means fighting your way across the map. Unlike the, uh, unlike Zelda, where it was an open map, even on the overworld, where it's you know screen by screen, all the enemies were there. Uh, in this game, there are no enemies on the overworld map at first, and then as you walk off main roads, like randomly spawning enemies show up that just look like blobs or, or like a, a shadowy figure, and then if they run into you or you run into them, you go into a separate little side-scrolling fight screen. Generally, I didn't have a lot of problems with the random encounters. I don't know if you guys avoided them, but, I mean, you kind of have to do them because, again, there's an experience system in this game. You, mm-hmm. you need to kill monsters. Every time yeah. you kill one, it gives you a little bit of experience, and there's a you know like a, a total at the top of the screen that says, like, out of 1,000, you have 950 or whatever. And then if you hit that 1,000, you can increase one of your three main stats. Uh, it's not as you hit 1,000, you can pick the stat to increase. Uh, unfortunately, it's different amounts of experience for each different stat. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when I was a kid that you could actually skip uh, skip the one you earned. So if you got a thousand points, let's say, and that increases your health stat, um, you can actually say no, I don't want to up- upgrade, and it will go to the next, um, you know, give you a thousand experience. And say fine, you need fifteen hundred, and then you can increase one of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the three stats are health, magic, and uh, your attack power. Uh, the attack power was the one as a kid that I always wanted first, and I did the same this time because it makes a massive difference. Yeah. If you don't upgrade your attack, uh, there there are some enemies that take five or six hits, then you upgrade your attack twice, and they die in one. Like, it's mm-hmm. extremely important to make sure you get that attack up as fast as possible. Yeah, um, I, I felt like in this game, it, it's kind of the opposite of how I play other games, where I try to dump a lot into health, um, especially on this game. Uh, it, it's worth mentioning that the, the hearts are gone. Uh, instead, you have, there are bars, there are meters, and... Refilling your health isn't quite as easy, and we'll talk about the the whole spell system as we go along. That is what you'll rely on mostly to refill your health. Um, so I'm I'm really thinking this one, as like you're saying, the 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 weapon damage is is key. That is the one thing you really have to sink the most experience into, and then magic. And we'll talk about the magic system as we go along. It kind of it functions as your 
a way to refill your health that functions as you know your your weapons and fights and whatnot it plays a huge part in this um because this is it's it's unique in well, i mean this game's unique in a lot of ways the series it's unique in the way that items uh like you're saying take a back seat um you you it, it's not the same as in the first zelda you pick up bombs you pick up boomerangs you can freely use them in, in battles and this one your items are usually a method of getting to a new part of the map or something of that nature uh so yeah you're relying heavily on your spells so Going in early on as a as a kid, uh, this is really the first time I dealt with you know having to upgrade things and getting experience points and and wow I can increase this. I also went for the weapon damage just because. Um, and yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the way the way to go. Uh, I don't know how uh, Jeremy P and I obviously went in that way. I don't know Jeremy what you what you sank the most into. Uh, I actually went on to like i was just kind of doing it as it gave it to me because mm -hmm. i didn't actually know you could switch it back or you could be like i don't want that mm. uh, yeah, so I that was news to me i i didn't know that mm -hmm. um but yeah this was one of the things i didn't actually understand when i was a kid uh because i had never played anything like final fantasy like zelda was my first rpg so when you got into this and it was like what am i getting experience for like what is this all about uh, it, just, it didn't click with me, and that was just one of the things that I just didn't enjoy as a kid. I was wanting a new Zelda. I wanted what I had played before, not this, uh, not this, you know. Uh, and playing it now, I was like, well, this is kind of neat. You know, this is I'm actually sitting here grinding in this first area in a Zelda game, of all things, uh, to, to upgrade my, my health and, and magic and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, early on, uh, I think that, you know, we kind of spoke about like the items that you need to get. Like the very first thing you you have to get to progress in the game is the candle. And uh, if if you go to these two towns, uh, they're very much just like you know don't don't go anywhere unless that's dark unless you have a candle. And, and so like, I there as a kid when I was trying to progress, I would get to these dark areas, and it was like, well, these are dark, so I can't actually go through these. Because I don't have a candle. Turns out to get to the candle, you have to go through a dark cave to mm. get to the place where you can get the <laughs> candle. And, I mean, there's only one enemy in that entire cave. And as long as you know, know where it's at, it's nothing. But it's still, as soon as I saw a dark area as a kid, I was like, well, shit. All of these areas that I need to get to are dark. And I try to go through a couple of the other ones that are almost impossible to get through without a candle. Uh, but it turns out, yeah, the one up in there. Like the northeast corner is the one you have to go through, but it's just one of those things about this game. You know, as as much as uh, I, I ended up enjoying playing through it this time with like the experience system and the magic and all that stuff, mm -hmm. there were still just little things like that that I was just like, well, I had to actually look. I, I feel bad being like I had to look and and see where I needed to go because I it, it was dark. I needed a candle, but you got to go through that to go get a candle. Uh, that yeah, that just kind of got me this time. Well, and, and you can go, I mean, there's a, probably four different caves you can go to from that opening area, all of which are dark until you get the candle. And you're right, the one you need to go through is easy. There's one enemy in it, and actually it's, the, the way the dark levels work, you can still kind of see the floor and the ceiling, you just can't see enemies mm. very well. Um, sometimes you can kind of see things kind of shift in the darkness. Uh, but, but generally, you could still run through a cave and get to the other end. But yeah, if you're hit by bats you can't see or whatever else, this game unfortunately, during all the side-scrolling sections, uh, has knockback when you get hit. 
And it's yeah. absolutely infuriating yeah. because there are plenty of spots in this game on the side-scrolling sections. Um, not not any during the random encounters, but mainly in a lot of the dungeons um, where there are lava pits or you know pits you can fall in and die immediately. And, and there are things that fly like the Medusa heads, and they kind of come across as in a sine wave and and if they knock into you when you're making a jump you fall off and fall to your immediate death and again that wouldn't be a big deal except if you lose so many lives back to the very beginning of the entire game and there are some parts of this game especially the last couple areas where if you have to go back from the beginning to there that's i mean it's not excessive but it might be a 15 minute walk in the game 15 minutes of your time to get back to that to the start of the dungeon you want to take on just absolutely uh, very, very frustrating, especially if you're making progress and make a stupid mistake. Jump, jump and, you know, miss a miss a jump or, or get hit in the air by something and fall in lava. And you're like, well, that was my last life. And I was on the way to the boss. And this could have been the run what did it. And now I get to start again from the start. And I'm going to pause this game and go outside and scream as loud as I can. So the the other thing that's cool with this game, along with the random encounters when you're in the overworld, uh, and the fact that you have to find these citadels, we mentioned they have towns. All their, the, the game has six or seven towns. Uh, the, the seventh town is kind of a, an empty town, but it's still important. And all of them will give you clues on how to find the next castle, or they'll give you the spells you can find. There are... Um, hold on, I wrote them down. There are eight spells in this game. Uh, you have to get all of them through towns, I believe. Uh, I think you can get one from from slightly outside of town, but a guy in town tells you where to go. And mm. the spells are extremely important. Some of them don't seem like they're uh, a need to win the game. There's a spell called Shield you get first that makes it so you can take more damage. Uh, you know, it, It's like armor. It's great. It's great to have. It lasts for one room, so you have to count, cast it over and over and over again if you're going to try to use it all the time. But at least you know it's there. But you don't need that to finish the game. It makes it easier, but it's not a need. But even the second spell you get uh, is a jump spell, and literally on the way to the next dungeon you're trying to go to, you get to a spot where there's no way you can make this jump to the next level in this cave yeah. without using the jump spell. So if you didn't yeah. figure out how to get these spells, and it's not as easy as just showing up at a house and saying, hey, I'd like to learn a spell, almost all of them require you to do some little mini quest. Uh, one of the early ones is someone's looking for... Um, a, a necklace or a bracelet or something that they lost, and you have to go into one of those caves in that opening area that's all dark once you get the candle and and go through a couple screens, fight a, not a boss, but just a, a tougher character that later on mm -hmm. is no big deal. And, and you get this necklace, you bring it back, and they'll say, oh, you have to you have to meet my uncle or whatever. And then you go into the house, and, and that's where you learn the spells. There's those in every single town. You need almost all of them. I'm sure we'll go through them as you get to, uh, as we go through this game somewhat. But I thought that was always cool, and I never used them because your magic skill, and I didn't know this. This is the other, the other two skills. This is one of the things that... I don't think the book explained very well, and it's not intuitive because there's no physical like number to show you. But if you increase your health or your magic via the experience system, I thought that meant I would get an extra block of health or an extra block mm. of magic, but you don't. It means that your health, it's almost like another built-in uh you know, shielding or armor. The higher your health, the less damage you take every time you're hit by things. Mm -hmm. And the higher your magic, uh, it's the least... Uh, you can actually go, if, if you pause the game and write down the cost of magic spells, every time your magic level goes up, all your spells go down in cost. Yeah. And I didn't realize that somehow until literally this playthrough that that's what the magic stat did. I always upgraded it because I thought there was some reason to. I thought maybe if you didn't have a high enough magic skill, you couldn't use certain spells. Um, but no, it, it just makes it so they're cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So if you don't have a magic skill of, I think... Six, you can't cast the spell you need to finish the game. Mm -hmm. So you've got to make sure you increase that magic skill. And, and I, you know, like I said, I, you want to get the attack done early because it's the easiest bonus for you. But you can't 
ignore the other stats. No, I mean, and, and magic is a is a big part in this game, which I mean would uh, is something they would carry over. I mean, there are there's a magic meter in just about every Zelda game after this, uh, so that, they they certainly kind of had a good idea going here. Uh, but yeah, upgrading the upgrading magic doesn't doesn't increase the bar; it, it decreases the cost. Except for I think the damn heal spell remains the same the entire fucking time, um, at least as much as I can tell. And, and yeah, uh, and that is essentially, like I was saying earlier, um, some of these spells you get and you might use once or twice just for fun. You put them away for good. I mean, and some of them you're just going to, you're going to wail on. Like the heal spell, obviously, you're going to be using that quite a bit. Um, instead of health pickups in this game, you pick up potion bottles and that's how you refill your magic, which is in turn how you refill your health. Um, and all this talk, it leads to to one of my. I love this game. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and say I love this game, um, but I do have a, a lot of complaints. I, it's it's kind of that Castlevania two type thing going for it, where it, it does some bewildering ass things. It's not what we had the first time around, uh, but I still have a soft spot for it. Uh, maybe maybe because of all those all the troubles with it. Um, and the first Zelda, I, it, it just seemed like... I, and you see runs all the time of people making runs through the game without this item or, you know, uh, even without a fucking sword. And this game, I think, it, it just lends itself when you see that big kind of overworld. Uh, that There's a lot more freedom in it, but this game is, at its heart, at its core, is very linear. Uh, in the first Zelda game, you could go, you could skip dungeons if you wanted to. I, I, that's, that's about skill level right there. Um, in this one, no. I mean, there are paths that you need to go to that are blocked until you get to this area and get this item and get through it. And, and that was probably the hardest part for me was that... Really, when you get down to it, you are only able to explore a small area at a time. And you are, while in the first Zelda, it's being recommended you go in this direction. This one, you, you're basically being pushed in that direction. It definitely just gives you the illusion of an yeah. open... Uh, yeah, but, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, you see that, and, and when you play, you know, RP, uh, this was my first, I guess, RPGs encounter so i mean i i had no idea but when you play other rpgs in the future when you get that 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 world map i mean you're usually if you're good enough you could roam to most places yeah this thing uh it's it certainly like you're saying it gives off the the impression of a, a great deal of freedom which which really isn't there well and the towns you know you mentioned castlevania too the towns in this game remind me a lot of Castlevania 2 because a lot of the things you get when you talk to everybody in town mm. it mm. isn't pure garbage like Castlevania 2. No one lies to you. No one's telling you that you should do things that you can't yeah. possibly do in the game like they do in Castlevania 2. But but instead, they still there's plenty of people that say things like, I can't help you. And there's people who will say things like, uh, yeah, yeah, don't go in, into caves unless you have a candle. You know, or don't go where it's dark unless you have a candle. I mean, things that are obvious. But you know, one of the examples that everyone always points out, like, ha this game is broken, is there's a man, you walk into his house, and he just says, I am error. Oh, goddamn error. And everyone was like, ah, ha, ha, they forgot to put text there or whatever. But then you go to a town not much farther on, and someone, to find out where the castle is, the next the next dungeon, it's, he says, go talk to error. 
And you go back and you talk to him again. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the, the, you know, go down to the dungeon or the, the graveyard and just head south. And you're like, okay, thanks, error. Like, that's his uh-huh. name. So it, it's the, the, the text of what people tell you to do in this game, not, not as painful as Castlevania 2, but you could tell they were, you know, really capped to whatever, like three lines of text of ten characters each or whatever it was. So there's some really abbreviated yet very important statements you're getting, <laughs> you're getting from the game. Um, one of the quests you get for one of the spells, the healing spell, in fact, uh, a girl is looking for her mirror. And she mm. says, I can't find my mirror. But there's someone else in that town that says, like, something is in the swamp. Or, you know, I forgot what, exactly what they said. It doesn't matter. But in my mind, that meant that this mirror is in the swamp. So there's a swamp area outside of the town that you wander through, and there's constantly getting hit by these random encounter events. And I went through every square because there's plenty of squares on the overworld map where you'll go into them and all of a sudden it goes to like a a hidden area where you can find an item or a person or an extra life or just some experience point bags because there are bags that give you experience points. And I went through every single, I mean, easily two or three times every single swamp square and did not find this goddamn mirror. So I just said, fine, I don't want whatever this spell is. I don't want it. I'll, I'll look it up later and I'll figure out where it is. But I want to see how far I can get without looking things up. And I had to look up this mirror and... Did I mean? Did you know where this mirror was because you did it before, or did you ever find this on purpose? I recall the location of this mirror due to the frustration I had suffered earlier times. Yeah, um, this is one of the. I'm sure Nintendo Power was probably fucking involved with with this one. Uh, this is one of those that you, you find it and you think to yourself, "There's no way. Uh, there's absolutely no way." Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is, that's another one of the, uh, I guess, one of the Castlevania 2 similarities there. Uh, it's just fucking things that are, it's bewildering that you would stumble upon them. Well, it's, it's, but I'm, it's the same, like it, at the same time, like, was there something that was just a bad translation, maybe? Right. Like, mm. did we, mm. you just don't know because yeah. of just how things were done. You know, maybe in the Japanese version, there was something very specific yeah. that was said. And you go through a translator and somebody's just like, I, I don't know, I like ice cream. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get that instead. And then it just, it. De- I mean, that was the problem with Castlevania too. Like, just so much of that game was so terribly mistranslated yeah. that no one could tell what the fuck was even anyone was saying. Mm-hmm. So, you, I, I just kind of wonder if, if that's the case with with Zelda two as well. In a lot mm-hmm. of cases. Well, and, and the mirror, we didn't say where it was. It's in an empty house, like three doors down from this one who's looking for a mirror. And it's not like it's there. You go, you know, if you walked into the room and you saw it, it would be fine. I would have no problems with the solution to this. But instead, you walk over to what looks like a table. There's this same graphic in every single house. And you push the attack button. It's like, I found a mirror under the table. And you're like, you are kidding me. I had to look this up. This is the easiest puzzle in the game. It's two doors down from the person looking for their mirror. And yet, I instead spent two hours of my life scouring a swamp. (laughs) Now, I got a lot of experience. Mm. So I can't explain. I can't uh, complain too much. But, uh, But yeah, very, very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, you have to go to the, all these towns to learn how to get to the dungeons. All the dungeons give you the tools you need to get to the other parts of the map to go to those towns to figure out how to get to those dungeons until eventually you clear all six dungeons and then, you know, go to, I don't even know if it's Death Mountain. I don't remember where the last place is. I think it's not Death Mountain because Death Mountain's, uh, unfortunately, a series of caves on the western side of the map that is one of the things I hated about this game, but this time I didn't mm. have any problem with it. Um, but either way, you go to the last dungeon area a set of mountains and and take on the the last dungeon once you've cleared all those six so i think we've more or less covered the overworld complaints which is just that 
it's it's sometimes hard to get along to get from one point to the other and you always start at the beginning i didn't have a lot of other complaints with the overworld i think it's actually laid out pretty nicely and and it does kind of contain you until you get other items but there is still plenty to look at in those each small area and, mm-hmm. and i like the fact that there were towns i actually did enjoy finding them one the fact that you can get healed there and get your magic refilled there for free is always great um mm-hmm. but also it just it kind of broke up what would have been otherwise just non-stop random encounters yeah, I, I didn't actually mind the overworld. Like I thought it was was fine. So, uh, I'm once you once you do get into these dungeons, I I, I was actually kind of really looking forward to going through them because you know one of the things I love about Zelda games are are the dungeons. You yeah. know that's what makes these games Zelda to me. Yes, they are totally dungeons, but I was I was actually surprised at you know even compared to the first Zelda, just how basic a lot of these are. I mean, you are very much just going left and right, up and down, left and right, up and down. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a, a side-scrolling game, but there's really not much else to it besides just finding keys and and progressing through the dungeon. But there's just nothing to it really. I mean, it's just mapping it out. And, and it, I just didn't find the dungeons themselves very enjoyable o- overall. No, I mean, especially with, with what's to come in the Zelda series and how every dungeon kind of kind of has its own uh, almost kind of personality about it. You know, they, they, each one has its theme later on in the series. This is probably, I will say, the most underwhelming set of dungeons you'll encounter in a Zelda game. Well, and, and much like the original Zelda, but still that had some differences, but they all look the mm-hmm. same. They all look mm-hmm. identical. I mean, they're, they're laid out differently, but they all look like they have the same entrance. They yeah. have the same, like the same boss room in every, every level, except for the sec, the sixth, I guess, which has lava on the floor, but everything else, it's like you walk into them with curtains, you know, that's the boss. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you're right. The levels are, it's all side scrolling, like those random encounter levels, but they're, they're much longer than those random encounter levels. There are never any healing items. You can only get um, healed by either having the healing spell and using it, or if you do manage to fill up that that uh, experience bar to get healing, it will refill you at that point too. But mm-hmm. you can't you can't rely on that. That's a little a little risky. Um, the the first few dungeons are not hard as far as to map out in your mind. You're like, yeah, no problem. I got this. It, you go left till you can't go left anymore. There's either a wall or a door. If you have a key, you go through the door. If not, go back the other direction. You'll find the key, and then you'll you'll go back through that door. It's all pretty straightforward. Again, you can miss the items you need to progress on the map, but you know each dungeon has one. So if you missed mm-hmm. it, you beat the dungeon, no big deal. Go back in, find it. You know, you'll, you'll get it. But for the first few dungeons, it's even hard to miss those. Just based on how the keys and all work out, you'll find those items first. Some of the later dungeons get a little more difficult. They're a little larger. Uh, the last 
two dungeons specifically are very long and have some some definite tricks to them in you know walls you can walk through and have to walk through uh, walls places where you're supposed to jump into a pit even though you think it would kill you and if you don't jump into the pit you'll never find that at the second half of the dungeon so that there are some like the last dungeon specifically is super big uh, for a game like this but they're still smaller than you know death mountain and the original zelda they are not mm. uh, as many puzzles necessarily it is a lot more just fighting your way through a room and finding keys there's not switches you don't have uh you know you don't push walls to open you know find a staircase or any of the stuff you did in the original zelda game or, or some of the later ones this is pretty much straightforward just fighting and yeah. that's where i also ran into a problem because I am not a fan of the combat in this game, necessarily. It's not terrible. There are many other Nintendo games that use this same combat system. Battle of Olympus, Faxanadu. There's plenty of side-scrolling sword games in, on the NES. That said, some of the enemies in this game, specifically the knights in the dungeon section that have the shields, and later on they, they have replacements that are like these bird guys that also jump, which is miserable. Uh, but those are hard. Like even now, I've kind of got it down to where I know what I'm supposed to do. But other than my strategy of ducking and jumping like a crazy person, and eventually I hit them a bunch, I don't know still how to handle like those like the blue knights that actually move back farther than you can normally hit them, and they shoot swords at you. Like I don't know how to handle those well. I was dying to those constantly up to the very end. I mean, I, it, it's it's. It's new to the Zelda series I, that you have to have a lot of. Uh, there's some enemies you have to have like strategy going into it. Whereas the first Zelda, as good as it was, I mean, you kind of just slashed your sword around and and that was that. You were gonna you would defeat the whoever you were facing eventually if you just hit them enough. I know with these, I mean, you really, uh, God, you gotta. I think Iron Knuckles are what they're referred to as. Um, yeah, there's definitely a strategy to this, and it, it makes for a more kind of plotting fight. Um, it's, it's not a run-in slash a few times. You drop them. Um, but yeah, but, but you learn techniques throughout the game that, that can really help these. I mean, you get uh, spells like the shield, which I think uh, knocks off half the damage you take. Um, you also get like a downward thrust. You jump up in the air and you can come down with your sword, uh, which is useful on a ton of enemies. I think was my, my go-to uh, with these guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot to pick from. And, and I dare say it's a pretty deep combat system for, for that time. Um, and that there's there's you know pairing of attacks, blocking. Uh, they'll block your attacks. There's there's kind of knocking each other back a little bit. There's you know trying to trying to get the best footing in the fight and whatnot. And and yeah, uh, it's 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 something. It's it's an early effort which I can really appreciate. It it comes out in the form of uh, fights that go on uh, and kind of wear out their welcome every now and then. Uh, but yeah, but. I, I think it's nice that there are Zelda enemies that there are regular enemies that, that you encounter in stages that can be a little difficult to handle and, and require some, some different strategy. And, and like I said before, a lot of it is that there aren't any items. You, I mean, you can't hit them with the, with the bow or, or drop a bomb on them, anything like that. I mean, you got your sword and some spells and I think it makes for some interesting encounters. 
I think also like you just don't feel as powerful as you do in, mm. in previous Zelda. No, you you could drop. You can uh, if you let your guard down, you can drop to some yeah, like less, you, lesser enemies. You take damage pretty hardcore in this yeah. one, and and just a few hits, uh, especially early in the game when you don't have all of that magic to help you out. Like you you're you're done. You know yeah. you've got that that sound effect just ringing constantly, mm-hmm. uh, letting you know you've only got a hit or two to take. Uh, but yeah, like even. Even when you've got full health and you can you know, shoot your sword out as a projectile a, a little ways across the screen, you don't really feel that powerful. Yeah. And, and once that's gone, your sword is is limited to just like this this tiny little dagger, basically, that sticks out in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's not like in the previous Zelda when you did ha- have your sword. You know, it it was essentially as large as you were. Yeah. You know, it gave you that amount of room to hit something. This, like, it, the, the, sword, the sword itself is so tiny that you really have to get up in people's faces the enemy's faces and just you know you have to be way more aggressive than what you're probably used to with a zelda game uh and uh a lot of the enemies really push that you know they will you know they'll back up and and make you want to jump into them and they'll rush forward yeah. and then you've you got half health uh you know and things like that but i will say i was i was happy to see that bowser got uh his, his chance <laughs> to to be to be in another game because i didn't actually remember this from back when i was playing it as a kid but yeah when i got to that first dungeon i was like that's just bowser he's Mm -hmm. just he's literally just doing the thing that bowser did Uh, but i was super excited to see it but yeah it's just i mean a lot of the enemies are totally just that where they will just kind of move forward move back and it makes you kind of uncomfortable to Mm -hmm. attack them Mm -hmm. uh, because you just don't know what they're going to do and if they hit you then that's you you can only take two or three hits to do that Well, and you mentioned your your sword shoots out. I didn't even. Re- I mean, I remembered it, and it's an aspect of the game you definitely use early on. But later, that sword that goes out doesn't hurt most of the enemies you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Those iron knuckles aren't affected by it. A lot of the tougher yeah. enemies aren't affected by it. It's just there for like, you know, the occasional slime that shows up. Like, there's really not a reason to have a sword that shoots out, and it only shoots out like three inches it's not like zelda when you had your the original zelda when you had your sword charged up <laughs> yeah. it shot across the entire room and it sounded cool and it looked awesome and it did a lot of damage this is just like ting thing and it barely hurts anything uh except for the very early monsters but uh, you know that this game if you don't heal you know level up your hearts and if you mm-hmm. don't find the you can find heart containers and magic containers to increase how much life and magic you have. If you aren't finding those as early as you can and you're not uh-huh. leveling things up, yes, this game turns on you fast. Especially the you know, when you get to that first dungeon, it's really not that tough, and then you run into the iron knuckles and you run into the the main boss himself, and two hits and you're dead. And you're like, Well, I've yeah. clearly done something wrong because you didn't grind. And it's one of the few Zelda games, if there's any others, that actually have a grind. And and especially towards the end of the game, I, I know exactly where I was at the hidden the hidden village, just grinding out to get everything to eight 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 because that's the <laughs> highest you can go uh, of of numbers that matter. Uh, and one of the other ones I want to mention for the the spells and and one of the dungeons, uh, the fourth dungeon, I think, either the fourth or the third dungeon, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But you you get a reflect spell in one of the towns. And mm. reflect at first. It's first off, it's expensive, uh, so you have to make sure you have enough magic 
left to use it. But you get to the boss at the end of that, that dungeon. I think it's the fourth dungeon. And it's a wizard. And the only way you can hurt this wizard, you can try to jump on him all day long or do whatever else. It doesn't hurt him. It just hurts you. You have to be able to cast Reflect and then stand you know, kind of right next to where he spawns. He'll shoot a beam at you. You can reflect it back at him and it hurts him somewhat. But if you don't have the magic to cast that at that time, and this happens in almost every boss after that, if you can't cast the spell you need because you're out of magic, you're just lost. There's nothing you can do at that point. Once you're in a boss fight, there's nothing you can do to get more magic. You can't leave other than by death. And even when you come back, you only spawn, unless you lose all your lives, and have to spawn back at the very beginning of the game, you start right at that boss room again. You can walk backwards a room, and if you want to wander around and look for stuff, great. I mean, it, it refills your life in magic, but if you are missing a key or something else, you've got to go all the way back. But it's... Mm -hmm. It's the, the fact that you had to make sure you had enough magic to use some of those. There were definite times where I was like, oh, I got this, and I'd get there, and I thought I had plenty of magic because it doesn't show you the number on your magic bar. It's just how many bars or you know blocks are left. And I was like, oh, this is only 40 blocks. That's three blocks. I'm good to go. But I was like just a sliver under three. So I couldn't cast the spell. Nothing mm -hmm. I could do. You die to that guy, and it was, of course, my last life, so I had to walk all the way back uh, to that dungeon. You know, a little frustrating. I mean, it, it, it that's... A lot of the stuff in this game that I found frustrating is stuff that most games since have taken care of. You'd have an item that refills your magic that's mm -hmm. an inventory item. Or there would be something in the room you could do to get back some magic. Even if it's a little bit at a time and you have to kind of slowly avoid shots while getting it. There would be some way to get that magic back. In this game, it's like, well, you didn't plan well enough. Too bad for you. Mm -hmm. I think what I actually want to know most, because I've I've never I've never beat it. I didn't beat it for this podcast. I got I think about maybe a little bit, like almost halfway through it. Mm -hmm. But what I want to know is just how big of an asshole is Shadow Link? Uh. <laughs> so, first off, I want to see exactly how far you got, just so I know. Uh, did you get the raft and get to the other continent? There's two continents in the game. Uh, no, I, I did not. Mm. So there's, I mean, it doesn't change the game drastically, but but it's another uh, continent where things are harder, and, and that's where the, the last three dungeons are. So you got to the third, the, the graveyard dungeon, I guess, is the third dungeon in the, the, yes, yes, the, totally. the town where the, you can see where you can use a raft, but you don't have the raft yet. So yeah. once you get the raft in the third dungeon, you can take it across. There's three more dungeons there, and then, of course, the, the final dungeon. Um, so the last level, the last dungeon, to get to your answer about Shadowlink, the last dungeon is the only place in the game where if you die, you start at the beginning of that dungeon. And yeah. thank God for that. Because I would have never, ever finished this game. I've only beaten it twice. And I beat this time. The first time I beat it, I beat it. Honestly beat it. Played it on the cart. Beat it. No game genie or anything crazy. Did finish it. Uh, for this podcast, so that I could talk about the end, I did save state only at the mm -hmm. last bosses. The very last boss of the last dungeons because they are both really hard um the the last two uh, enemies one is like this i don't know it doesn't give anything names but it's like this weird angel thing mm -hmm. that you must have enough magic to cast thunder on if you can cast thunder which is the last spell you get uh, if you don't have at least six magic of your your magic stat you can't even get enough magic to cast it so you'll never even get to hurt him so once you've cast Thunder on him once, he can then hurt him. As you do damage to him, and he kind of flies around in a, in a pattern, but you have to have the ability to, to enough magic to also cast Jump, and mm -hmm. you probably want Shield. And you have to just dodge these fireballs that shoots at you that you can't do anything about other than dodge them. And he starts casting fireballs way more often as he gets more hurt. Uh, you have to get through him, which is not incredibly hard. If he was the last boss of the game, he would be challenging enough on his own. But you finish him, 
then you don't get a chance to refill anything. You don't get a health refill or a magic refill. You go right to the next room, and there's the you know the the priest that took all the triforces was going to re uh, uh, reanimate Ganon. I guess is the story for this game. And then all of a sudden, Shadow Link pops out of you, and you have to fight Shadow Link. And I've only beaten Shadow Link by cheesing him because he is a giant asshole. Mm. Yeah, he is a tough fucking customer. Um, yeah, this guy, he, uh, uh, he he basically attacks like you do, you know, high, low, defend, high, low. And, and it just seems like it's one of those things where the computer is always a fucking step ahead of you. Uh, it's like they have got your moves down. They know what you're about to do. And, you know, it's a frustrating fight. And it's one that I can't say I've won with any sort of strategy. Unfortunately, you just have to hit the guy. It's it's seven or eight times you have to hit him. Uh, so it it's, doesn't sound like a lot, but you're going to fucking earn each one of those hits. Yes. Um, it, it's going to take a while. It's a lengthy, <laughs> lengthy fight at best. You're going to want some shield. You're going to heal. and Or, alternately, you can crouch in the fucking left corner and spam the sword button boom that's what i did and kill him that is what i did Uh, i tell you a lot of childhood a lot of negative childhood memories could have not occurred had i known that at the time yeah no that's it's a tough fight you have to have gotten to him so you had to get to that previous boss now if you die and you have a life in between like you die in link the shadow link the first time great you can start with all your magic filled up your health filled up start again but, uh, but I normally didn't, because that last dungeon is very long. That mm-hmm. last dungeon has several parts where you're supposed to do these little tiny jumps while things fly at you, and you have to try to dodge things you're trying not to land on. And so I would die easily once or twice on the way to the boss, get lucky enough to finish that first boss, and, and, and to try and challenge Shadow Link with like two hearts, or you know, two, two blocks of life left, or, or whatever. And, and even when I would start with full health, yes, I tried to see if I could beat him fairly, and I... I gave up after about 15 tries, uh, mm-hmm. even with a safe state. But yes, if you just go to the left side of the screen as far as you can and just spam your sword button, he'll essentially just charge you and half the time get hit and bounce back. Uh, sometimes he'll jump on you, and if that's the case, just run back to the corner and keep trying it. And, mm-hmm. and eventually he'll kind of fall back into the cycle of coming just close enough to get hit with a sword and get knocked back. It's cheesy, but honestly, if you get that far in the game, you've earned the right for a cheesy win because the game is hard. It is one of the hardest Zelda games. It's uh, it is not let up. All the things that that other games kind of would have balanced out, you know, with having health items and uh, and health regen items in, in a boss battle or health regen mm-hmm. items you can keep in your inventory, uh, this didn't have. And the fact that you have to run across the map every time, uh, you you die for you know run out of lives. The fact that some of those, um, you know, some of the the jumps you have to make in the dungeon areas. Uh, again, they're not hard, but it's it's unforgiving. You make one mistake, uh, mm-hmm. and there's some of them where I think you have to have jump, and you don't know. And uh, there's parts of it, one of the, the spells you earn lets you turn into a fairy. And if you don't have enough magic to cast fairy, there's definitely parts of the game where you can't go through the next level. You're just done. So if you're on your last life, and you're out of magic, and you need to cast fairy, well, hope you had fun. Turn the yeah. game off. Let yourself die if you can't, you know, just jump into lava and start again, because you're going to have to do that. It's very frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that said... I I always say, you know, I'm always like, I hate this game, and, and I don't want to play it. But every time I start playing it, I do enjoy it. I like the fact that there's experience uh, in, in the game. 
I know it's a pretty crude version of, of experience points, but mm -hmm. in a Zelda game, I kind of don't want a super lengthy. I don't want Dark Souls. You know, I don't need 22 stats. I don't know what they do. These are pretty straightforward, uh, and and they're notable. When you start getting the increases, you can feel better. You feel more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I miss things that the other Zelda games do. I miss having bombs and and boomerangs and. You know, all the other little neat gadgets that, that even the first Zelda had that this doesn't. And the later games would have, you know, hook shots and all this other crazy stuff. But it's it's not a bad game. And especially when you compare it to other games on the Nintendo that have this kind of, of layout uh, mm -hmm. of the action sections. There's not really anything that does this specifically, but but that kind of do more of the action section. The things I would have a complaint about in this game. Uh, Battle of Olympus I mentioned earlier and Pax Xanadu. And, and there's plenty of others I'm not thinking of. Uh, this one... It still plays really well. I mean, even though yeah. I'm not a fan of the combat because I'm not good at it and I'm not patient enough to, to block and, and be effective, I still liked it. And I think it's pretty. I think the game mm -hmm. looks nice. And I think the music in this game is great. Mm -hmm. um, I always remember the music not being as good as Zelda, but that's, you know, that's that's hard. How do you compare one of the best soundtracks in the game to something else? But that said, yeah. the whole time I'm playing this, I'm humming it. The whole time. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you hear that Overworld song that loops over and over and over again. I hummed it every mm. single time. Yeah, and I, I have to say, uh, th this will—it'll never be. Uh, it's not in my top three Zelda games. Uh, probably not even top five. But uh, it is one that I will, will gladly come back to every now and then. Uh, it doesn't get played as often as the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's one that when I play, I, I enjoy, and I can can really appreciate what they were trying to, and, and Nintendo in general for taking, uh, taking their games and, and as much as people complain about companies putting out the same thing over and over again, I, Nintendo is not afraid to take a chance with their franchises, given these were not the, uh, you know, the gigantic mega franchises they would go on to be. But I, if you look at the, the departure in, in the Mario series or the Castlevania series or, and this, this series, uh, they're not afraid to take chances with their, their titles on here. And, and this was one that uh, hit or miss is a big hit for me it's a big hit for a lot of people it's a big hit big miss for a lot of people also but if you're someone that played this years ago and your only reason for not liking it and not playing it again is that it was not like a first zelda i, I would almost implore you to give it another shot now that some time has gone by uh now that maybe you're a little more open-minded i know as a kid it is jarring when you don't uh when there's a sequel and it doesn't quite live up to the original or it's not what you had in mind um, but if that was your problem with it and you haven't touched it since then, if you're a Zelda fan, yeah, I, I, I gotta say, give it another shot. Uh, just, just, uh, it's easy enough to come by nowadays, uh, pop on there, give it a try. I guarantee, even if at the end of the day, you still, it's still not your favorite Zelda game. Uh, even if it's not your thing, you'll find things to appreciate about it. And that's, that's basically where I am. I, I, it's not my favorite Zelda game because it's just to me it's it's not Zelda, but like coming at it this time I was I, I had to put all that aside and just come at it fresh and and just try it for what it is, and at the end of the day I was I, I enjoyed it I, I did enjoy my time with it it's got its problems I don't really enjoy the dungeons anywhere near as much as I do like even the first Zelda, uh, it, but but there's just a lot of it that Nintendo really tried a lot of just different things with and that's kind of crazy for something that is literally like the direct sequel to zelda which 
was a successful game. You know, it's not like it failed. And for Nintendo, the next game to just be like, all right, we're not going to make that game this time. We're going to mm-hmm. make something completely different mm-hmm. and, and try that this time. Like, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. So, like, I, I can definitely appreciate appreciate for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just playing it this time, I, I, I did enjoy some time, the time that I had with it. But even still, it's it's definitely not my favorite Zelda, of mm. course. I'm not the biggest Zelda fan anyway, but still, uh, on its own, though, it's a neat game. And, mm. and I, I do enjoy it for, for what it is. I, I, I sincerely think that if this did not have the Legend of Zelda title on it, I, it would it would definitely be a much more beloved game. I 100% agree. Uh, you know, there's times we've, you know, I've talked about wanting to cover Crystallis, and that's a great mm. game. But if that game was called the Legend of Zelda, you know, Future Cities version, I would think it's a terrible game. And mm. that's, there's nothing wrong with it. I like the game. I think it's really cool. But, and it's very Zelda-like. But it's it's not Zelda. So if they would have called this, you know, Magical Elf Quest, I probably would have had no complaints with it. I'm mean, like, this is a really neat game. It does a lot of really cool things. Uh, so I think that's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's the kind of game that kind of suffers because it's following something that was so big that everyone kind mm. of has a, a formula of what they want. And obviously, mm. Nintendo knew that because every Zelda game after this, uh, until Ocarina of Time, were back to the original Zelda format. It was, and yeah. it was, it was different. The, the maps are bigger. The Super Nintendo could do more. The Game Boy could even do more. But, but they still had that same, you know, there's a big overworld, but it still plays like the dungeons. And you also have these dungeons that are screen by screen by screen. And, you you know, you get these bombs and everything. You know, it, it goes back to the formula of the original set. This was definitely a, a change. It's the op- And I think it is, you know, I think it is interesting. Zelda was such a big game for them to take such a departure. And then at the same time, you've got Capcom, who makes Mega Man 1 that did all right. I mean, it wasn't a, a breakout hit. And they're like, you know what we need to do? Make this exact same game again. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was huge. Mega Man 2 was giant. And, I mean, it got all this push in Nintendo power. It was massive. But, yeah, it, it's the exact opposite mindset. You know, take Zelda, a game that everyone loved and would love more of, and be like, well, here's something that's totally different. Hope you guys like this. And, meanwhile, another franchise that maybe put out a game that wasn't great. They're like, everyone doesn't get it. We'll make it again until they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this was a great, a great, a great game. Uh, not the best Zelda game, but a good a, a good one. But uh, unfortunately, it seems like one that uh, there there's not going to be that uh, that re-release of it anytime soon. I don't believe. Well, I think it's just the difficulty on it is harder than the other Zeldas. It's not mm-hmm. nearly as player friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just the the travel issue we mentioned, the fact that you always get sent back to the main area you start the game in. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that it, the, that the things you earn in dungeons are less fun. They're basically all just big keys. I mean, yeah, they look different, but it's a hammer. Mm-hmm. What's it do? It opens big rocks. And it's yeah. a raft. What's it do? It lets you cross this ocean. But you can't, like, freely cross the ocean. You just get on there, and it takes you to the next screen. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's just a bunch of keys. So it's it's not as, as interesting well, as Zelda. But they they said, would later make a Zelda game where you could freely cross the ocean, and that was not all it was cracked up to be. Uh, no, that had different issues. But I think still far more of a Zelda than Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. Oh, and yeah. I think like the yeah. the risk versus reward part of this game was what mm. you were talking about. Like it just doesn't come come across like it did in, in previous uh, in the previous Zelda or or Zelda's afterward, mm-hmm. because it was there was always a fun gameplay item that you would get that you could actually like go back and and you know you got your bombs. You, yeah, you I mean it would things. it would change the way you played. Yeah, it, it played it it changed the way, but this was more of a way. Uh, everything you got was just like okay, here's how you can progress further now. 
mm-hmm. and and that was basically it. Yeah, I, I think they would. I think they probably realized then the importance of items in Zelda. I mean, a link to the past was chock full, and every Zelda after that, it, it, there is no shortage in the item department. So I, I think that may have been one of the lessons learned in that game that uh, that a Zelda game with the uh, just swinging the old, old sword around the entire time kind of wears on folks. That's the thoughts on Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, a game a lot of people did not care for, a lot of people stand by. I think we were kind of split down the middle. I think Billy was a big fan, Jeremy mm-hmm. not so much, and I grudgingly will play it uh, repeatedly and then always get mad at the things that make me angry but not as bad as people say perhaps if it was called something else we would all be talking about what a, an amazing and inventive game it was um, but I do believe like every other episode we have some listener mail we actually do and a lot of this uh, definitely comes from uh, the best contact form on the internet uh, mm. from retrovania.net mm-hmm. scroll down there fill it out put your name in there ask us a question That's tell right. us who you are tell us what you enjoy playing we like to know uh, also, our Facebook page, just send us a message on there. Uh, if you want to ask us a question, just anything. Uh, we, we love to hear from you. And uh, this week, uh, our first question comes from Joe. And uh, he's just wanted to say, I just wanted to say thanks for the podcast. I love what you do. So keep up the great work. Sorry if this has been asked before, but I'm curious as to what games you think hold up after all these years. For me, Tetris is still a great game, and it's just as much fun to play now as it was when I first played it on the Game Boy, and I'll never get tired of playing Contra. Thanks again, guys. Both those are, are timeless games. I mean, Tetris, mm-hmm. I, I'm playing Tetris 99, and, it, and at its core, it's the same game I've been playing since that first Game Boy, uh, Black White Game Boy that came with Tetris, and I played that nonstop too. I, I think puzzle games are ones that are pretty easy to say have they aged well or not. I mean, most puzzle games, if they were good at the moment, they're still good now. You know, I, yeah. I'll play Pipe Dreams all day long. I'll, I'll play Columns. I, I like those kind of <laughs> games. Those are still, you know, pretty solid games. Uh, as far as as games that I still play a lot, and I again, I don't know how much of this you can pick, you know, say is nostalgia versus just really solid games, but I think a lot of classic arcade games really still play well. I mean, Pac-Man still plays just as good as it did when it was new. I love Burger Time. If I go to an arcade and they have a Burger Time machine, mm. that's where I'm putting every dime I have. Uh, Qbert, another one I can play nonstop. Uh, as far as more recent games, uh, they have to be something that I can play in a short spell. Like, I love Final Fantasy VII, right? But I don't think Final Fantasy VII is a game I'll be like, I think it still holds up really well because it's so long. And there are so many things that other games have done differently or better in that series even that I can't say that that's one I'd I'd recommend to someone who's never played a a game like that before. I think classic Mm -hmm. games do a lot better. It would have to be something like, um, I mean, like a Contra or a shooter, Gradius. I mean, things like that, they're kind of, again, arcade feeling, uh, very straightforward, you know, easy to pick up and play, but there's a lot of depth to them. Uh, Games like that, I think, really hold up well. Mm. Yeah, I I personally, I... And it's such a subjective question. Uh, it's different from, uh, I guess, for everybody uh, as to what you think means something is, has, uh, you know, kind of stood that test of time. Uh, for me, I, obviously, we're talking about things that are we find to be endlessly replayable. Um, God, and, and he named Contra, which is which is one of my top games. Uh, I could play that thing anytime, happily, uh, play it straight through and start it over again. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Super Nintendo titles, Mario RPG being one of those that I will 
pick up every couple of years, I'll hop on there and I'll give it a playthrough. Uh, it's the same way with me with the uh, with Silent Hill one and two, uh, and, and I really love those games, and I think they still to this day. I mean, they they've taken a hit in the looks department, uh, but they're still just excellent games, and and I think just over time, I don't see me, I don't see myself tiring of them. Uh, there's just there's there's so many. Uh, and if we want to get off consoles, uh, PC, I will play the first Diablo anytime. Uh, I still that is still my preferred Diablo to play through. Um, uh, and side scrolling, uh, Ninja Gaiden, that entire trilogy, especially the second one, are games that I think are pretty timeless and really haven't haven't been reproduced or haven't been topped in quality. Yeah, I, I think there was just something about that 8-bit period and, mm-hmm. and those early arcade games where their simplicity just mm-hmm. really, they it's kept them to the point where you can still play them now and it's still just as much fun. I mean, you, you look at all these PlayStation games like Dino Crisis that we just played the last uh, episode and, and they do those games well, but at the same time, they're just, you know, they're, they're of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard to play now for new players. Like, if you set somebody that's never played a video game down in front of Dino Crisis, they'd look at you and be like, what in the hell is this shit? Yeah. And you sit them down in front of Dig Dug, and, like, they could probably sit there and play it forever. You know, mm. it's it's just one of those things where those classic systems and everything like that just did everything so simple that it, it, it ages so much better than, than some of those other ones. Uh, you know, something that... Uh, I, I guess <laughs> what I would consider a newer game, you know, this will be the, the 80th episode that I mentioned Castlevania Sympathy tonight, but that's just one that I will forever go back to and, and play over and over again because uh-huh. I don't think it's been done better. And I, I, it's still just as much fun to play these days as it was back then. And that's very rare for me to say about anything on the PlayStation and, and forward. So uh, I don't know. It, it, it Like you said, it's very subjective. Uh, the very first Castlevania to me, I have just about that entire game clocked in my head where I can just, I know everything, you know, I can get through that game and basically like two lives maybe. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many, so many of those early, earlier games and arcade games that it's, they're just as good as they ever were. And once technology started getting better and we started getting into other things that maybe developers didn't know what to do with, that's when they didn't age as well. Mm. And and those and it sucks because going back and playing those games, not so great. <laughs> like whenever we cover a PlayStation game, I'm just oh, oh no, man, this is this isn't gonna be anywhere near as good as what I remember it. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's 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 basically where I come at it from. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question is from well, more of a statement. Statement <laughs> from Theodore. And he writes in to say, I have had quite enough of the Sega Genesis sound chip bashing on your podcast. You gentlemen, you gentlemen have, need to learn some respect for what was in the right hands, the finest audio hardware ever used in a home console. Listen to games like Biohazard Battle, a good review candidate, by the way, Sonic 1 through 3, not Sonic and Knuckles, it's just heinous, and Streets of Rage, and then tell us how it sounds like a tin can. Listen to the incredible variety and exquisite textures in just those few game soundtracks I named, and it's pretty hard to say that it's a terrible sound sound chip. 
Or do you truly prefer the mushy sound of the Super NES with its inane orchestra hit samples straight out of every 80s pop smash? Or maybe the TG-16 with its insufferable chorus of door buzzers. Just, mm. jeez, don't let this happen again. Well, I have to say, I took offense to the Ooh. Graphics thing uh, statement, but then I went back and played a couple, and it was dead on. It does sound like a lot of doorbells uh, and uh. buzzers. But, you know, we've covered some Genesis games that don't sound bad. Castlevania Bloodlines sounds great. We covered that, what, two years ago, Christmas time? Or Christmas, Halloween. And that that's a game that sounds amazing. Loved it. And the Sonic games do sound really good. Um, but I would say, more often than not, if we had to cover a Genesis game, you can assume the sound is going to be bad. Shakan had terrible sound. Uh, the the X-Men game has pretty awful sound. All A lot of the games we covered had pretty bad sound. And so I would have to say it's like bagpipes. Bagpipes can make some very nice music, but most people make garbage with them. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Jeremy P. I, I can say that at least I do have stuff in common with the person that's in this question, because I also get really drunk and get online quite often and send messages to folks. Because, uh, <laughs> fuck, this thing, um, that sound chip. Uh, it, it may be in the right hands, yes. Maybe in the right hands they can make a, a masterpiece. It's just unfortunate it has never found those right hands over the years. Uh, there are some... <sighs> Moonwalker. It's like when you get, it's we covered like you, Moonwalker. Moonwalker sounded great. Yeah, but I, why? I, why could this songs? not be like normal throughout? <laughs> there, are, there is a handful. Like even the shittiest SNES games. Yeah, a lot of times you can find that they have pretty. Uh, you'll find some some gems in there. Some just some. Fantastic soundtracks on even kind of lower tier Super Nintendo games. But uh, Genesis games, it seems like it had to be a big production for them to bring out uh, the best of that sound chip. So uh, maybe it's not awful. I I'm sure the hardware itself is fine, but it just seemed like there was a big lack of attention in a lot of a lot of Genesis titles. So maybe the blame the blame maybe should be shifted from the from the chip to just the just for some reason, that was not a priority for a lot of Genesis games. And I think that's that's really the thing, you know, what what he mentioned. In the right hands, that sound chip didn't sound terrible. Yeah, but like it didn't could... it didn't end up in the right hands very much. <laughs> well, unfortunately, a lot of those those hands were also porting the game from the Super NES. Yeah. And if you were trying to make that game sound like the Super NES, you were gonna fail. Like yeah. uh uh, takes like zombies ate my neighbors. The Super NES soundtrack <laughs> is one of the greatest soundtracks ever, and yes. I will argue that to my the, the day I die. Yeah, but I will you... still download it. I have the files, I, and it's gotten to the point where I don't have any audio programs to, <laughs> to play those files anymore. But, but then again, like you listen to it on the Sega Genesis, and it's nothing, nothing uh, anywhere close to what uh, as good as Super NES sounds. And that's, I, I guess, that's kind of where. A lot of those, you know, the people that that really mm -hmm. just shit on the Genesis sound chip come from because a lot of that stuff you're comparing. And when you do that, it doesn't sound great. But then there are those games like Moonwalker, uh, you know, other games that we played that genuinely do sound pretty, pretty great. Uh, but you've really got to finesse that sound chip because otherwise then you get games like X-Men where it just sounds like somebody has put a meat grinder into a synthesizer mm. and it is just in your ear 
the entire time. <laughs> it just sounds terrible. Uh, but I will say, out of all the systems that I have ever played, there is none more distinct than the Sega Genesis sound mm. chip. And I feel like I'll do a small, but I, I can't help but feel targeted with with that uh, with that that question or that statement you read off. I, I I think I may be the biggest detractor of it. But I will say this for the record, and I hope I said it on the podcast back when we did RoboCop versus Terminator. The RoboCop versus Terminator on the Genesis still ranks among my favorite video game soundtracks. All right, our third and last question comes in from a longtime listener, longtime friend, Basin. And, uh, you know, I, he does ask a question that, that gets asked a lot here, and I think we should probably maybe answer it. First of all, what that mouth do? Oh. Mm. I, 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 I wanna, what, do, what don't that mouth do? This week, my mouth has probably put more things out of it than into it, so. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's about take, take what you will from that. There you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Secondly, some games that were the first or first widely successful in their genre turn out to be better than a lot of what follows and help define what that genre should be. Dune 2 may play slowly by today's standards and have an easy easy to exploit AI, but ended up be, but ended up putting RTS games on the map. Wolfenstein also did it for first-person shooter games, and Shining Force is an excellent early tactical RPG. My question being, what early games in a genre still hold up for you today, and in your opinion, are better than the average game in that genre, even by modern standards? And thirdly, some game suggestions. You already covered Monster Party, I'm sorry. One of my favorite NES games that not everyone may know. A good one to cover would be Totally Rad, which I think you covered in a short YouTube video, but could also warrant its own episode based on the story alone. It's the 80s encapsulated in one cartridge. Another game I spent a great deal with Another game I spent a great deal of time with on, because it was the only game of three that I owned for many years, was Mendel's Palace. It's still unique and lesser known, and was chosen by me at random as some point at some point as a kid. Wow, was it Mendel's Palace? Uh, uh, very tremendous commercial. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I'll save any other opinions for if we actually do it or not. But I, I, I found myself YouTubing the commercial uh, several times over the years. For some reason, as a kid, I fucking thought it was going to be the best game ever, based on that. Well, it's on the original list of games one of us wanted to cover. So I, I think I threw it in there. Yeah, I, I, we have not covered it, but it's one we actually have on the radar. Uh, so I'm sure at some point we will get to it, either mm. as a video or as a, as a podcast. Um, I don't know how many games I'd say that were the first to do something are still, you know, just as good. There's like, for you know, you brought up uh, Dune 2 is kind of one of the, the first real-time strategy games. And, and I think it's good, but I'd rather play Warcraft 2. Like, I think that's a better game does the same thing or even starcraft so you know well i still want to play those games compared to some of the later ones i don't know i mean one of the few games you know we already kind of talked about it but tetris is one of the first you know pure yeah. speed puzzle games and i think it still holds up today just as well as it ever did um mm. i think the original super mario brothers uh, is the first game i had played that was that sort of side scrolling game that went that long that had that kind of level design had the fact you could swim and that still holds up really well mm -hmm. um I mean, I know other games have done have done more with that, even in the same series. But the original yeah. Mario Brothers is still. I mean, as I as I think we all found out with Mario Maker, the the bare bones of that system and that's that 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 game are still super fun. So mm -hmm. I'd have to go with those two. Yeah, I, I, and I've got to go with and and before we get a uh, a, a rush of people telling me otherwise. 
Otherwise, I know it's not the first of its type, but it's, it's a very early one. The first one I encountered, uh, and I'm a huge point-and-click fan, and, and Maniac Mansion was the first one I stumbled upon of that nature, uh, that exact kind of game, I think using the, the scum system. I think it was one of the, the earlier ones, and, and I've yet to see a game that really topples that one. Uh, at least uh, something that kind of combines the humor, even Day of the Tentacle, that kind of fell flat in comparison to that one. That is a game that uh, is, is early in its genre. I don't know exactly how early. Uh, I'm sure we might get a message with with about a, a thousand other games like that that came out before it. Uh, but for me, it was the first one I played. Uh, and I just I haven't had an experience like that since then. Some come close. Uh, my, my beloved uh, Grim Fandango being one of them and several others. But I, I think Maniac Mansion somehow just just does it a little bit better um God. the only thing i can think of really that that's easy is, is sports titles and, and i just i love uh, just the simplicity of some of those not the atari sports games uh, that's, that's a bit too much simplicity but the simplicity of some of those early nes sports titles i mean we got tecmo bowl from it which to this day is still just a football game I can sit down and play. That in and of itself is is an incredible feat. And, and pro wrestling, we did that one on here. It would be years and years later. It would not be until the days of the 64 that they put out a wrestling game that, that rivaled pro wrestling. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do just with the uh, getting back to the simplicity of it and how uh, sports games now lend themselves to be a lot more simulation and, I mean, fucking wrestling games now have a fucking button to breathe. Uh, it's, it's just, it's something. And, and I don't want a football game where I can make my own plays and I can do this and that and I can trade and all that. I just, I, I'm not that into the sport. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm talking about casual sports games. And I, I still think the NES had one of the best lineups on them. I'll take that fucking NES golf over any modern day golf games. Um, I, I just, it was something special on there. And, and you know, in the Genesis with fucking NHL 94, still the crown jewel of hockey games. Uh, sports games are definitely something I think I could appreciate more on those earlier consoles, those earlier entries in sports titles than that I can, you know, the modern day. I, I just don't think they've been able to overtake them just for the, the fun and the simplicity of it. Um, and Tetris, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to mention Tetris. I, it was just amazing. An, an incredible game. I, I don't think there's going to be a puzzle game that comes around that is going to rival Tetris. I, I think it is, it's near impossible at this point. I mean, I think the puzzle genre has been stretched to its limit for the most part. Um, so that, that's going to be a tough one to beat. And I am also a big fan of some of the earlier Sim games, uh, Sim City. I still think that uh, the, those earlier Sim City entries were were just a lot more fun. Yeah, there were a lot. There were less choices, um, and of course, it didn't look as good. I mean, they're a fucking spectacle now. Uh, I just thought they were just, they were down to the core mechanics of it. And I just found them to be a lot more enjoyable. And I think adding more features does not always necessarily make for a, a better game. And, and I think a lot of uh, 
what I'm talking about is is the point. It's just the simplicity of the earlier games and how, you know, just packing on, piling on feature after feature uh, doesn't overtake that past game. It doesn't mean it's better than it uh, at any rate. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically the same way with that because it's when, when you have something that's almost perfect mm-hmm. at the outset, Mm-hmm. Adding more features onto that doesn't exactly make it a better game. We're talking. You're talking about NES Golf right now, aren't you? <laughs> well, NES Golf is the perfect video game. You've wrangled um, with that game several that, times. That game is it haunts my dreams. But uh, I mean, the ones I would actually go to are, are, are like what you went to, which would be like the earlier sports games. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBA Jam. Oh like, yeah. Like the the fir- the very first NBA Jam was nearly perfect, and like the the later versions of that, and adding more to it and things like it just it it I don't know it just didn't make it a, it wasn't as good to me. Uh, Tecmo Bowl obviously I mean that's the that's the best football game ever made to me mm-hmm. because it's football that I understand. Mm-hmm. Run Bo Jackson. 100 yards to the other side of the football field and you score that's football mm-hmm. i mean uh and uh like nfl blitz uh, when that first came out in the arcades mm-hmm. just the most just the perfect arcade football game nothing could top it as far as like i'm concerned but uh, but yeah once you start adding things to that and making those things more complicated is just when i start to lose interest and and so like it's you get to the point where you're like, okay, you know, this is the new game, mm-hmm. and we've added on all these extra features and and these these gameplay things which, that you can do, uh, which is probably a, probably a dream for the you know like the, the hardcore football fan. I mean, that's you know, I mean, that's that's probably a, a big deal for them. Yeah, and totally, and and you know, we're speaking from the point of, of people who don't generally play sports <laughs> games. We like NES golf for God's mm-hmm. sake, um, but uh, it, it's just one, you know. I, I need to, to have that as simple as possible. Otherwise, you start to lose me mm-hmm. when you're you're putting out a, a screen telling me which where the linebackers are going and where the quarterback should throw and where I'm faking to and what the uh, the running back is going. He's going to go over here. I can't tell. I don't know. Like that's just you've lost me completely. But Tech Mobile, you give that ball to Bo Jackson. He's gonna he he goes to you, you run him. Yes. He he makes the touchdown. That's that's football game I understand. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, I mean that's generally what I would go with is is a lot of those older sports games. Mm-hmm. I don't think they they have been bettered in my opinion. I know Jeremy P tried John Madden football not too long ago, a, a newer one, and uh, was and he's like a, a much much more hardcore football fan than, than either of us. Mm-hmm. And I think he even found that game almost impenetrable. Yeah, I I could not figure out how to make it more than just me playing a game of football now and then like the full season the fact that you had to, to you know you could build your team you could do trades you could start make your own players and run through college and stuff I was like i don't have time for any of this and baseball is even worse like um one of my friends every year would get the new baseball game they're like yeah we play 162 games I'm like that is offensive i don't have time for any of that that is not happening <laughs> to play a full <laughs> season of baseball that's that's uh that's too much i want to play one game feel good about it uh, mm-hmm. I want to name my characters swear words, so that's why I play baseball stars. That's what I'm going to play if I'm going to play a baseball game. So, yeah, the newer sports games generally, uh, although some of the golf ones are pretty solid, um, but but a lot of those, yeah, I'd much rather play double dribble than uh, almost any other mm. modern basketball game. So, 
So our next game will probably make Theodore very happy because it's a Sega Genesis game that actually has a pretty solid soundtrack. Uh, and it's by one of our favorite companies of the 8-bit era. So uh, listen to us in two weeks when we cover that game. I'll be putting some more hints out on our Twitter, which is at Retrovania.net. Uh, actually, no, our Twitter is at Retrovaniacs because I'm an asshole. Everything else is Retrovania.net. Uh, and you can also find links to all those things at Retrovania.net, including uh, a brand new video that came out since our last episode. Boogerman! That's right. On Boogerman, a game that's been requested several oh. times, and now it's been covered. And actually, I have to say I'm kind of sad we didn't make it in a game because it does not look that bad at all. Uh, <laughs> at least uh, at least interesting, I'll put it that way. And, and it does look like it plays better than a game you would call Boogerman. Uh, we are not going to cover Boogerman. It'll be another Genesis game in two weeks. Uh, find us on Retrovania.net until then, and we will see you next time.